0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. to the fast we're in that might be helpful to you. I'm sure it will do a lot of good for you. Out in the foyer on the table is a uh, provided three different things. One is a year-long reading of the Bible. You need to do this. You read maybe a couple of chapters a day, and in one year you can read the whole thing from cover to cover. It's good that you do this, and it's out in the foyer. Secondly, there are some interesting pages about fasting, beginning, ending the fast, and so on and so forth. Please pick one of those up and take a look at it as well. And thirdly, there is a prayer list of things, five things that we need to be praying about and for during this fast And so I invite you to pick up all three and take them home with you. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, your word is precious to us. Father, we can't live without your word. In it, Lord, you tell us how to live and what to do. And it brings life in us. So, Father, this morning, Open our ears to hear what you have to say. Open our eyes, oh God, that we might see. And oh God, let us take that and put it and apply it into our everyday lives. To your glory, to your praise, forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 I hope you've uh, started the fast and you're doing well in it. I want to talk just briefly about that this morning so that we might have some more understanding about what God says about this. <clears throat> Why do we fast? Why are we doing this? I mean, what, we, what what are we after? Let me give you five things. Number one, <clears throat> it shows our dependence upon God. We're showing God we need you. We need your involvement into our lives. We need you, Father, more than life itself. We need you. I see over in Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, Paul and Silas are finishing up one of their first tours of a missionary journey. And as they go back through the churches that they have raised up, we find that this is what's taking place. And when they had appointed elders For them in every church, with prayer and fast, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Who did they commit them to? The Lord. That's why we depend upon Him. He is what takes us forward. He is the one that keeps us. He's the one that instills within us His Spirit to guide us along the way. So that's number one. Number two is so that we might recognize as part of our continual sacrificing of all of ourselves to him. All of ourselves. Jesus in John chapter 4 has talked to the woman at the well, and now she's left talking to him to go into the town. And his disciples come to him, and they've been in there to get some food to eat. And so they come out, and this is what they say in verse 31 through 34. 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not even know about. So the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Here's Jesus. Yeah, he's hungry. Him and the disciples were hungry. That's why they went into town to get something to eat. But Jesus was not willing to eat yet because he said, I have food you don't know about. My food is to do his will to accomplish his task. That's what I'm depending upon. So he's saying, I'm sacrificing myself yet even more. I'm putting aside what this old flesh is craving, and I'm saying, not yet. Not yet. Likewise, we need to be doing the same thing. A third reason, because it heightens our spiritual and mental alertness. You know when your body doesn't have to worry about uh, digesting food and and, uh, sending it out through your body and everything else, your body has, it it actually rests a little bit. It's like our heart. I feel sometimes, uh, you know, Sympathy for my heart, because it it never stops, thank God. But our digest system is just about the same way. We eat from dawn to dusk. And sometimes when you withdraw from food, there's there's a different feeling that you begin to experience within yourself. And that's God taking notice of what you're doing. Number four it expresses an earnestness and urgency to God. In other words, you're saying, God, I need you. No, I need you now. Right here, right now, this place. In the book of Esther chapter 4 verses 1 through 3, Mordecai has just gotten word that the man called Haman had gone to the king, and the king had signed a decree that said, The Jews, throughout all my promises, on this particular day are all going to be wiped out. There will be no more Jews in the world. Now Mordecai was the father of Esther, was the uncle of Esther. He had raised her up, and she's now in the king's palace. But listen about Mordecai. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. Then when he had gotten to the entrance of the king's gate, he stopped because no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province... Whenever the king's command and his decree reached them, there was a great mourning among the Jewish people. And with fasting and weeping and wailing and lamenting, many of them lay on sackcloth and ashes. What they were trying to say to God is this. God, we are willing to lay down our lives that you change this situation and don't leave it the way it is. It's a calling out to God. You're our last hope. I can't go anywhere else. You're it. Show yourself, Lord. I believe in you, just as we say this morning. I believe in you, Lord. Finally, number five. We fast to get the mind of Christ when we select leaders and elders for the church. Oh, how important that is. Because we don't just put men up here. They have to be anointed of God. They have to know the Word. They have to be able to teach. They need to be able to relate to people where they are. It's a big job. And in Acts 23, Acts <clears throat> 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were fasting and worshiping, the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. How important that is. We're told in 1 Timothy in chapter 3 about when you select elders, you know, they can't be beginners. And they have to have certain stipulations that they meet and they rise up to. Because God doesn't put into the church. Well, you can identify. Which would you rather have, have operate on your heart? A seasoned physician or somebody just out of college? <laughs> now, he may be perfectly capable. But what says within us, oh, uh, I'll take the old guy. That's God. He's looking out for his church. We have enough problems of this. We don't need any more. Amen. Now, and we be very transparent here. I remember the very first fast I took, and as a young man, ah, fasting. I can handle this. So I proclaimed for myself a five-day fast, Monday through Friday. It went wonderfully. I went to work every day. I worked, didn't eat a thing, just drank water. And every day I pat myself on the back, yes, we can do this. And I was looking so much forward Friday night to going home to the supper. My mama had always fixed, man, she could she cook? And when I get home, first thing I find out is my dog gets the neighbor's kid. Then I found out that dad's going to be late for dinner, which meant it's going to be late. And then I found out mom was sick. There was no supper. (laughs) Bang! I lost my marbles. My sanctimonious rose up within me in arrogance. Why? Why me, Lord? You saw what I just did? And he said, yes, yes. And I said things and did things I regret to this day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You see, sometimes we can do that. But if we have a proper understanding of what this is really all about, that can be set aside and God will be glorified. And you will be made stronger. You see, the thing about fasting is it means to afflict your soul. Ooh. Afflict your soul. That is to bring distress and pain to it. You know, the kind of distress and pain you feel when all of a sudden, when your program on TV is about to come on, it goes on the blink. What happens to you? We're talking about distress. We're talking about pain. You're telling your your body, no. No when it's crying out for all that's within itself, look, if I don't eat three meals a day, this body will die. But see, it's a choice that you and I make when we fast. Nobody's making us do this. Nobody's trying to browbreed us and say, this is what you have to do because we have to do it as a body, otherwise we're going to fail. No. Nobody's saying that to us. Nobody's trying to tell us this or that or any other thing. We fast because we want to repent of sins. We want the guidance of God. Any little thing that you need, you can fast and go before God and let him move in you. You see, it's keeping God the main thing here. We're secondary. No, we're way down the line somewhere. We're we're letter Z when God is A. He's the main thing. And so we have to keep this attitude and in our behavior of what it's really all about here. You see, it's for us, the body of believers, to put aside what may be bothering us, what may be coming after us. And we just come together and we pose as a united front to God, saying, God, we need you. Fasting is also abstaining from some gift of God, saying to him, God, I want you more than any gift or any blessing that you could ever put upon my life. Because if I have you, that's nothing. Just like Moses said to God God, if you don't go before us, don't even take us into the promised land. We've got to have you, Lord. And that's what it's all about keeping God the focus. It's our expectation of a breakthrough. Yeah, I said that. A breakthrough. You ever been in a situation where you feel like you're stuck? You're not able to do anything? You can't change no matter how hard you work? It's at that time in your weakness, the enemy gets on your shoulder and says, it'll never work. God's not listening. Why do you waste your time? It's at that time we need to take the authority that He has given us in His name and say, be gone Satan, get behind me. You don't have any part in this. You never did. This is for me and the body, me and myself and the believers. God's people. And change that situation. getting hold of God and saying, God, we're not going to let you go till you bless us, no matter how long it takes. There is a certain manner and means by which we ought to be operating. Amen? Amen. So because of that, I want to take you to Isaiah 58, so we might learn what is the real fast of God. Turn there with me if you will. We need to get the mind of Christ here. That we might live in righteousness. Verse 1 and 2 says this. Cry loudly. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. And declare to my people their transgression. And to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day after day and delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Now I don't know how that sounds to you but it sounds to me this. God's mocking them. He's not praising them here at all. He's mocking them. He's making fun of his people. Why? They weren't really seeking him, but their own hearts. Nor were they seeking those that God had put around them. Key here. Key. God has been refusing their worship. Why? Why? Because they use it as a pious evasion of the self-demanding things that we ought to be doing in the spirit. They were taking the attitude, it's all about me. I'm sitting in my comfortable house. Laid back on the, the lazy boy. I'm fasting to God. Worshiping Him. Yeah. Go God. Go God. And that's not God. See, they were mostly interested in themselves. They were using worship to try to manipulate God. Hear me, church. You can't manipulate God. You see, if it's not done in the right spirit, as far as God is concerned, He loathes everything that you do. Be that be a warning to us. We've got to do it the right way. Because you see, if we take any self-induced in, in, in religion within our hearts and think we're all that, God says to us, you are nothing but a broken weed in the swamp. It's got to be God's way. And that's what this whole chap- this chapter of Isaiah is about. Because you see, their fasting... Was not bringing any change in their hearts. But let's read on, verses three and four. Why have we fasted and you do not see, Lord? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and thrive hard. Drive hard, all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. God again, using sarcasm, He's letting them know, I don't hear you. It's all about you. You think that you are all that and and a bag of chips as some people say. You think that if you just put yourself to it, you and God, us together, it's going to be grand. You're by yourself. The reason why he does this is worth noting, folks. You see, they're fasting for their own pleasure, and while doing so, they oppress those people that are under them, household servants. Maybe it's the next-door neighbors. Maybe it's the members of your own family. It's not recognized because they're not clean. You're still in your sins, God says. Therefore, make yourself clean. Refuse to do evil. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless Plead the widow's cause. If you want to hear me to hear you, then do this. Quit your rituals and produce righteousness. We can't just fast. It's got to be God's way. It's got to be God's way. Because if we don't do it God's way, he doesn't hear us. There's nothing more we can say. It's God's way or nothing. Look at verse 5. Yet, sarcasm. Is it a fast like this which I choose? A day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast? Even an acceptable day to the Lord? Does it seem like God's displeased here? You see, that which is acceptable to man is not acceptable to God. And since we are a people, He has said that we are not of this earth any longer. As new creatures in Christ, we're foreigners. We don't belong here, but we are here for now, living in this flesh, but Christ living in us. We're not like the world. We were never called to be like the world. We're called to be different. I see here about seven things that God's really emphasizing throughout this passage. Let me read it through to you first. Verse 6. Is this not the fast which I choose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer, here am I. You will cry, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you. And satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Wow. This is God's fast. What is God trying to say to us? He's saying it's not necessarily about you. You can get sanctimonious like I did as a stupid youth. And you can go about thinking, you're all that. But don't forget, if you own a business, the workers who work for you, don't oppress them. Look for those that are homeless. Look for those that have no coats or sweaters. And you've got plenty in your closet. Feed the hungry. Plead the cause of the widow. Stand up. Don't just ignore them as you think about you and God. God says, I put people around you. Don't forget them in your fast. I have it. Don't you. So what do I see here? He says, first of all, lift the burden of bondage off of people. Let them go free. We're not here to bind people up. We don't call people into a church. Let me be careful. I grew up in a church. That's all I'll say. I grew up in a church where there were certain rules and regulations. And we were told to do maybe five or six things. Hear, believe, confess, repent, be baptized, and live a Christian life. You know, I pretty understood the first five, but that living the Christian life, I didn't get. But I soon found out: if you did this, get your hand slapped; if you did that, they were mad at you. Man's rules, man's regulations—something that man set up. God didn't say that. All six of those things came from the heart of a man; didn't come from God. He comes to set us free. He comes to put within us his living spirit that we might live, and that abundantly. So don't oppress people. Set them free. Set them free. Number two, he says, feed the hungry. Well, that sounds simple. I'm sure we did a lot of that at Christmas in this church. We brought in food. We took it to those who had a need for it. But it's not just talking, folks, about taking it down to some agency, letting them distribute it. It says, you feed the hungry. The word of the Lord in in Scripture says, you take them home and feed them. Immediately the flesh rises up, does it not? But I, I I don't know them. They could be a a murderer, or they could be there and rob me. All kinds of negative things. Do we not? Yet the word of the Lord says, my fast says, feed the hungry. It's not getting fun anymore. Thirdly, he says, "House the homeless? Oh, dear God, not that, not that. Take them home with me. i got a spare bedroom, but it's for guests. <laughs> and, come on. And what does God say to you? Aren't they going to be the guest? Oh, folks. God, God, He's not letting us loose here. He says, this is my fast. This is not my words. I didn't write this. This is what God said. The fast that I choose and is acceptable to me. He says, clothe the naked. Oh, please. You see somebody running around naked? Clothe them! But it's indicating again, how many coats do you have in your closet? How many sweaters in your drawer? That you go through daily life, and you see people here and there shivering. They don't have enough on. He's saying that we are to do that. Not this corporate body as a whole, but individually as we approach God. We are to do this. God's not finished. He says be sympathetic towards people. You know what that means? Have a heart for them. The the scriptures say this in Hebrews 13.3. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. You have a heart of compassion. You don't brush them off. Sometimes we take that scripture, don't cast your pearls before swine, a little too seriously. And we don't have a close enough eye to really see what God means here. He says further in his scripture, if you see your brother or sister in need, and you say to them, go and be blessed in the Lord, and you don't provide it yourself because you have it. Oh. Just put your toes on the chairs. I can't step any farther on that way. You see, God's telling us there is a fast and then there's His fast. Sixth, He says, put away your contempt for other people. I'm going to be very honest again. There's been times in my life when somebody new walked into the church I took one look at them and said, I don't even like you. And through a long course of events where I wouldn't be with them, stay in the same room with them, or even go over and talk to them, through a long series of events, you know what happened? God changed his heart. And they became best friends. But my initial expression was, I don't even like you. How often have we looked at our, our people around us and say? Look at the job they've got. Look at the car they drive. Look at the people they hang around with. You're jealous. And so you find it easier to criticize than receive them in the Lord. And you see, you're only hurting yourself because they probably don't even know you feel that way. They probably have no thoughts whatsoever that's in your, this is in your heart. So who's suffering here? Not them. <laughs> the problem is we, we take one look at them, then we judge them. Come on. Yeah, we don't even know what they've been through. Perhaps they've just come through a nasty divorce. Perhaps they've lost a job. Perhaps they've had a death in the family. They got injured at work and they can't work at all. And you look at them as just a lazy old bum over here who won't get up and get a job. Come on. We've all done it. We speak and we point fingers with contempt at people. Today, we live in a nation Where there's any number of influencers. And their pulpit is sports or music or social media or some other thing. And they're all calling our name and saying, look at here as they preach to us. This is what I believe. This is right. This is what we all be about doing. And they keep coming at you and coming at you. And you keep listening. You keep listening. And at some point, you can even find some beef you have that you can agree with them on. But the only voice we need to be hearing, people, is the voice of the shepherd. Our shepherd. Come on. You know what I'm saying is true. Just because there's something over here. Last of all, I see God saying here his fast is to give yourselves. Give yourselves. Sometimes the greatest thing you can ever do for another person is to sit down and just listen to them talk because they're lonely, they have nobody. There's all kinds of things we can do here, folks. You can be a reader That's right. Go into a hospital somewhere and just read books to people. They love it. That somebody's worthy to take the time out of their busy day just to help them a little bit. You may not be able to change their lot, their circumstances or anything else, but you can at least give them some peace because they know you care. This then, brother, This is the fast of the Lord. It's not just about us. It's just not about Cornerstone. So let me say this to you. Why do we need to fast? Why do we need to fast? Because this church is on the cusp of a new move of God. Our beloved pastor, God, has taken. And now we're here together saying, okay, God, what's next? What's next? And he's waiting to tell us. But he's waiting for us to come to him. And cry out in urgency and earnestness, God, i got to have something, Lord. If I can't have you, I don't want anything. We're on the cusp. I don't know what God's going to do in this place. But I know a lot of people hear God besides me. And I will say this to you. If you hear something that God is saying for this body, please don't keep it to yourself. Bring it to the leadership. Because we're all in this together. God wants you to understand. It can't come unless we're ready for it. And that's what this is all about, being ready for it. Lastly, let me say this to you. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I'm probably not going to read this. You know this story already. It's in Matthew 14, I'm sorry. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 32. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. And he comes down to his disciples and says, get in the boat. Go to the other side. And he goes back to the people and disperses them. And Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray alone. About the fourth watch, it says, in the middle of the night, the disciples are out there struggling to get anywhere. Because it's pitch black. There's no lights. And choppy, I've been on the the Sea of Galilee. When the wind gets up, it gets choppy. And the spray can come up and wet you. And so here's these disciples struggling to get anywhere. And here comes Jesus just walking along on the water. And it scares them. They say, a ghost, a ghost. He says, no, do not fear. It's me. It's me. And lo and behold, this is important, folks. I want you to take notice. Peter says, this, If it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And Jesus didn't punt, uh, <laughs> punt uh, forget that word. Jesus didn't take a long time. He just simply said, Come, come. And Peter got out of the boat and started walking to Jesus. No, I don't know if he's going up and down with the waves. But he starts walking to Jesus. And he's walking to Jesus on the water. Now over here, back in the boat, you've got 11 theologians. And they're sitting in the boat saying to themselves, What is happening? I I don't understand. And one of them pipes up and says, well, when I was in children's church, they never told me about this. And another one says, well, I went to high school and, and in physics we learned this can't happen. And a third pops up, I went to Bible school and they never got anything about this. And they're all scratching their heads with the spray soaking them wet. Back over here, Peter's walking to Jesus on the water. And he gets to him. How do I know he gets to him? You'll find out in a minute. He gets to Jesus. And he looks around. And he hears the wind. And he sees the waves. And he begins to sink. And Jesus didn't run over to grab him. Jesus simply reached out his hand. Because he was there with Jesus. And Jesus lifted me back up on the water. Jesus lifting back up on the water. <laughs> and Jesus said, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now get this. I want you to get this. This is important. O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Little faith. You know what little faith will do for you? Not only help you to walk on water, but it will move mountains. Come on. Little faith. You don't have to have a lot. Little faith. Meanwhile, over here on the boat, are rocking and rolling and holding on for dear life. And they're not going anywhere, making no progress, because the wind was contrary to them. Only when Jesus and Peter come to the boat and get into the boat, then suddenly there's peace. What does that say to you? What does it say to you? It says to me, it only takes a little bit of faith. But if you're going to go anywhere, you've got to get out of the boat. Get out of your safe spot. Get out of that thing that you're holding on to. And go to Jesus. Jesus. Go to Jesus. And you see, it only takes one person. Everybody else over here noticed what was going on. Oh, they weren't quite up to it yet. But it just takes one person. Listen, in this church, it just takes one person with a little bit of faith to hear what we need to hear from God. But the good thing is, We will not stay in our seats. When that one person steps out, we're going to step out too. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's only one answer to every need in your life, folks. And that's Jesus. If you lack peace, get more Jesus because he is our peace. If you're angry, get more of Jesus, because he never got to the point that he lost his marbles. If you need to, be, uh, uh, to, to get away from uh, s- certain situations, get more Jesus. Because the more you get Jesus, the, the, the more it pushes out that stuff that's already within you that's causing you all the distress. So we're fasting. We're fasting. And now we've heard from the Word of God and God Himself what is acceptable to Him. It's not just about us. It's about the people we know. It's the people we're around daily. It's about the people we don't haven't even met yet that's going to cross our Are we ready, church? We're sitting in the boat. Right now we are. We're sitting in the boat. Wondering, God, what are you going to do? What's happening? What's going on? It's time to get out of the boat. Amen? Pray with me. What can we say, Father? You've again caught our attention. We can't get around it. We hear you. We see what you delight in. Help us, Lord, to apply it. May we ever be before you, Lord, and long with you with a heart for more than anything else, gift, blessing, or anything else, to have more of you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.